going on, everybody? Cameron Hunt here with the American Deciding Factor, finally in video form yeah, after a much-awaited uh, uh, arrival. Uh, but anyways, uh, today we are going to be getting into uh, the three solutions to lower gas prices in America. And then there will be a sister episode uh, uploaded right after this one, and it will be, uh, what the, was it? It will be debunking the lies of the opposition on uh, gas and how to lower the gas uh, prices and basically the oil and gas problem in America, debunking the lies, uh, saying it's Putin's fault and all this other stuff. Yeah, but uh, without further ado, um, and the three solutions that we're going to be talking about are, one, we need to reduce regulation to help companies increase domestic oil and gas production for a lower cost. Uh, we want to reduce dependence on foreign oil. And three, we want to restart the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline and other ones, even though we might not get into those as much. So yeah, without further ado, uh, my name is Cameron Hunt. I'm Isaiah Woody. This is Deciding Factor. What's going on, everybody? It's Cameron here with uh, the American Deciding Factor with... Isaiah Woody. Yeah, and uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, three solutions to lower gas prices in America. Uh, so today, uh, first the or the first solution we're going to be talking about is um, one of the ways we can lower the crazy gas prices in America now. I mean, even in our hometown, we're seeing like four thirty, pushing mm. four forty in some places. Yeah. Like it is absolutely wild. Um, but I saw, so I noticed at one station it dropped three cents today. Uh, so a little win, but not. But, but I <laughs> thought the, but I thought it was the corporation's fault, and they only want to make more money. Oh, actually, no, I oh, forgot. Yeah. No, this week it's Putin's fault. And uh, next week they, it'll be Trump's fault. Don't worry. And they say it's going to keep going higher because it's Putin's fault. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so the first uh, way that we can actually a solution to lower gas prices in America is we can reduce regulation to help keep company or to help companies increase domestic oil and gas production for a lower cost. Uh, but before we talk about like which regulations we need to or, like get rid of, uh, and it's the uh, we need to talk about the startup cost. So the startup cost for drilling onshore in the United States is already like way high. Um, it's coming in according to a survey conducted in 2017, and like this is before all the crazy inflation we see today. I mean, just today it was reported that uh, from the Consumer Price Index that inflation. Uh, year over year was 10%, double digits. Mm, yeah, I saw and that. that is according to the Consumer Price Index, where if you didn't know, they do not calculate tax into um, the money that you are spending every month, which is just ludicrous. So it's just like raw, the, like the legitimate yeah, raw yeah. price. Yeah, like it, it's, it's not accurate, but like if it's 10%, if it's double digits on the CPI, like it's really bad. Uh, and we all can tell that. But anyways, uh, so according to this survey... The startup for onshore drilling for oil is 5.2 to 7.2 million dollars. Um, and meanwhile, the startup cost for an oil rig, you know, like one of the ones that you'll see like out in the ocean, uh, you know, the giant like metal platforms, those can exceed or go up to at least 200 million dollars. Like that is that this is no business that your average Joe can just jump right in, right? Um, so because of this being so high, we should strive to slash regulation in the oil drilling in industry. Now, you know, we're not making the argument that all regulation is bad. Like there are some things that are, you know, good because they make sure that 
the water stays healthy for human consumption and our land stays nice. But yeah, however, precautions are taken and the, the environment's taken care of. Correct. But there's also a lot of regulation that is like it's overbearing and it shouldn't even be there in the first place. But so um, here are some of Trump's proposed regulation cuts that didn't go through during his presidency. And luckily, he actually did cut a lot of the red tape. It was something like for every 10 regulations they uh, or not ten. It was like I think it was either um, five or six. It was it was some big bigger number for every one. Like they slashed, they only put one more into place. Like they cut mm-hmm. like ten thousand pages of red tape, which is awesome. But here's some of the ones that didn't go through. This is according to the New York Times. Um, they include number one. Um, one of the regulations they wanted to cut was they wanted to open most of America's coastal waters to offshore oil and gasoline drilling. Or not gasoline, sorry, oil and natural gas drilling. Um, and this includes the Atlantic and the Arctic Ocean. Now, there were some exceptions on the Atlantic coast. Like, I know Florida was one of them. Um, but anyways, so the second one was approving the Keystone XL pipeline, and we'll get into that later. Um, the third, it was easing safety regulations for exploratory offshore oil and gas drilling in the Arctic. Um, and... This makes sense because there's probably a lot of regulation to that due to, like, you know, the weather and the, you know, just mm-hmm. a lot. I can definitely it's see why place. it would have, yeah, there's more risk, there'd be more regulation. But, like, that's, you know, uh, I would I would say that that's not for the government to mandate, right? Because then it's just going to cost more to do. Um, and then number four is easing the approval uh, process for oil and gas drilling in national forests by curbing the power of the Forest Service to review and approve leases. And this one totally makes sense because when the Forest Service has that power, um, all it takes is one person in the Forest Service to not like um, the idea of America being energy independent, of America being oil independent, to be like, no, we're not going to do that in our national forest, which if done correctly, we can extract that oil and at the same time not hurt the environment, which is the ultimate goal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and also provide energy to Americans for a lower cost, which we desperately need right now, and I think everybody understands that. Um, so, talking about all these regulations, though, we have to remember something, and this is a really good like thing that you can tell people that it, you know there might be more on. Well, we need more regulation because regulation is good, and it makes sure you know we protect the environment at all costs, and it's that. Cutting regulation does not necessarily mean that someone or something is going to be hurt from it, you know, right? Like, people always try to make the argument that, oh, if you go cut any regulation, then, you know, it's going to it's gonna hurt this animal population or, you know, it's going to make this water, you know, less drinkable. And that's not always the case, right? Um, so we need to, like, put that out there from the start, right? We need to be on the offense on that side of the argument. Just because you slash regulation does not mean it's going to hurt somebody or something or someplace. Um, regulation that is excessive only weakens our nation. This is an argument like for American, not only independence, but dominance in the in the energy sector. And it's that uh, regulation that is excessive only weakens our nation and helps our adversaries when it comes to oil and gas production. All of these, a lot of the other countries in the world that, you know, they make, a, they they extract and refine, to use better terminology, um, for producing oil and natural gas and gasoline or whatever else they produce from those things, right? 
they do not have up front um, not only the labor cost, but all of those excessive regulations um, in the oil and natural gas field. So they already have a, a like a one-up on America. So it's up to us to not only produce like better quality um, oil, natural gas, or you know like the to not only produce better of the product, uh, have to keep up in that regulation field because we have so much more. Um, we have to strive to cut as much as possible without hurting the environment, so that way America can keep up with the prices of the world. That's what I was trying to get at. Um, so how will this help Americans' companies boost supply, right? Like that's what we all want to know. Um, the answer is when it costs less to drill for not only more oil but refine it into gasoline and fuel and fuels we need, the companies that are taking the risk in the first place will want to produce more to sell, right? Um, and because our oil companies aren't nationalized, they will compete to have the lowest price, so more Americans will want to buy from them, right? If you're an oil company that produces gasoline for cars that every car basically needs in America, if you can produce it for the lowest price, then more people will come buy from you. And that's what's so great about competition. Yeah, and we'll be getting into on the sister episode to this episode, the one that we're talking about, the opposition's uh, stance and view and how to combat that in a very well-rounded and just straightforward way. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about the regulation and the policy surrounding uh, the oil industry and how it is being detrimental to our ability to produce and extract. Right. Um, so number two, the second point I want to make is we want to reduce our dependence on foreign oil. Uh, as we've seen recently, uh, America relies due to uh, a new administration in our beautiful White House that just so happens to be white, as President Trump put it. <laughs> um, we are relying on a lot of other on a lot of other nations on their oil uh, due to the poor choices we make. Um, this included Russia, but now we've banned them. Obviously, like we've banned their oil, you know, importing their oil. Um, but also, the majority of the people that we buy from is OPEC nations. And first, let's ask the question: What is OPEC? Because not a lot of people know what or who OPEC is. You know, it's an organization. It's actually the organization of the petroleum exporting countries. And uh, OPEC is the organization of the petroleum exporting countries. Sorry, the members include Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Iran, and Iraq. Um, there are more, but those are, you know, some of the big players. And so notice out of the four countries that we just listed, one we have invaded, being Iraq, and another we killed their general for planning a strike on the United States. Iran with General Soleimani, I'm sure a lot of you remember that from when Trump was president. That was like 2019, yeah. if I remember correctly. He was identified by only his ring. Right, right. <laughs> um, so... These are not exactly our friends, right, that are in the OPEC nations. Um, and, and of course, Venezuela, who their government is completely hostile towards uh, the people of Venezuela, and it's the country has gone to absolute crap. It used to be one of the wealthiest South American countries uh, on the continent, but now it's, it's right. gone to garbage. The money is useless. People are picking food out of garbage trucks to try and feed their kids and their Their currency is basically worth nothing. Yeah, so – that place is an absolute dumpster fire, and we're going to continue to pay that regime. Yeah, um, but so one of the reasons why we need to reduce our dependence is because when the opposition controls the supply and the price, we are essentially slaves to it, right? Like when they control the supply, 
and we need it, we have the demand, then we are slaves to whatever price they put up. Like, we don't have a choice. And partially, and that's because we're handicapping ourselves. But to get into it, um, before the pandemic in 2019, when we were um, energy independent uh, under Trump, uh, the average price of oil being produced in the United States, according to the WTI benchmark, that's the West Texas Intermediate, um, and basically that's like the highest standard of, you know, like benchmarks for oil price in America or in the North American continent, um, was $57 a barrel. Um, that was lower than the global average, and it was like $64 a barrel. So Americans were producing for a lower price. Um, now, in, in the WTI, as of like last week, it is $109 a barrel. That is literally almost double, right? Um, and this is due uh, to Biden's climate change policies and advocates in his, in his administration. This has a lot to do with uh, the crazy climate activists that are in the White House. Now, yes, a little bit of this has to do with what's going on in um, Ukraine and Russia and the rest of the world. But however, this idea that it's all Putin's fault or it's, you know, it's just it's the oil companies being greedy is ridiculous. It has a lot to do with his administration and the policies they've put forth. Uh, and the main reason, though, that's not even the main reason that we should need we need to reduce uh, dependence. The main reason, though, that we need to become energy independent again is it builds up other nations' economies and not our own. We are dependent on their oil, on their, you know, on them exporting it to us, right? Um, we have the resources in America to not only be fully energy independent, uh, oil-wise, but also export oils, ex yeah, export oil to our allies as well, so they are not beholden to the wishes of adversary nations, right? Like. America, we are handicapping ourselves in the name of climate justice or whatever it is. Notice how, and Isaiah made a really good point on this the other day. Notice how they went from global warming when we were kids to climate change. Yeah, because we'll get into that on the sister episode yeah, as well. That's where I mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. Um, but uh, we, we are handicapping ourselves, and if we were to become energy independent, again, not only would it keep us from being slaves to that price, right? We could set it based on how good our oil companies can produce and who can make, you know, who can uh, extract the most and refine it for the lowest price to sell to Americans. Um, but also we can export it to our allies so that way they don't have to build things like Nord Stream 2, uh, which is an example for Germany, and buying Russian oil uh, when we can just export it to them and they don't have to uh, buy from nations that they don't like and yeah. they yeah. don't like them. Trump went in front of, uh, went in front of, goodness, I don't know if it was NATO or who, I think it was NATO, that uh, Trump went out and whenever he was president and held, they held a conference together and Trump spoke mm -hmm. and he talked about how terrible Nord Stream 2 would be and that the deal shouldn't go through uh, linking Germany to Russia and he said that Germany would be completely reliant on Russia and that's not a good thing obviously because Russia, as we've seen, with the invasion of Ukraine is a very shaky power right now, uh, not something that we should be putting our trust in or our full uh, full support behind. And the German delegates laughed, like literally laughed, while Trump was talking about that during his speech. Yeah, like, oh, and, that'll never happen. Yeah, and now they're paying the price for it. Oh, absolutely. 
Um, and just so you guys know, yeah, America might have banned the import of Russian oil, but just know today the oil in that pipeline, the oil in whatever pipelines that run from Russia to the European countries, it's still flowing today. It has not changed because they need that oil. Um, because you need energy to run your economy, to run your country. So this, and it's all by design. This could been have this could have been completely avoided if it had not been for the poor cho- choices of not only the West made, but specifically America, right, and not helping our allies. Um, but so this kind of attitude of energy independence and helping our allies uh, in America would create a lot of jobs, right, in the oil industry, um, good-paying jobs, but also make sure the price of oil and gasoline is under our control, not theirs. Uh, and so now let's get into our third point, and that is we need, as a country, uh, to restart the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline and other pipelines like Joe Manchin the other day in his meeting in the uh, the, the the Senate Energy meeting or the committee, whatever you want to call it. Um, he uh, he addressed a pipeline like in West Virginia specifically, but uh, I don't remember what it was called. But let's talk about the Keystone XL pipeline. America should get behind the company that. Uh, was trying to build it, but ultimately abandoned it um, because of the choices that the Biden administration has made. And they, we should come out in full support of that pipeline and building it so that way we can export, or that way we can um, move more oil uh, quicker, faster, more efficiently, and be able to... Cleaner. Yeah, cleaner as well, right? Um, And be able to uh, refine it uh, in a faster pace and that way make we can produce more. Uh, But so, talking about the construction of the pipeline specifically uh, to really get into the details. First, let's ask like what the Keystone XL pipeline was. Um, and the reason why I say was because as I mentioned earlier, it was abandoned um, in June of 2021 on my birthday, June the 9th, um, because of Biden revoking its license. And the pipeline was a project of a company called TC Energy, which was uh, it was Trans Canada Energy, if I remember correctly. And the reason it was called the XL version uh, is because it would be added on to the already working Keystone pipeline that transports crude to hubs in the middle of the United States and down to the Gulf Coast of Texas. Uh, the XL version would have extended the pipeline from Alberta to Montana and South Dakota all the way down to Nebraska, Steel City to be exact, to make a shorter route, but also give the option to people drilling for crude there to put it in the pipeline for it to be refined downstream or, you know, down the pipeline, whatever you want to call it. Downstream is just the easiest way for me. Uh, so now let's talk about what have been, what have, what would have been the benefits other than, you know, more energy production uh, for America, right? Uh, and this I'm reading from KeystoneXL.com. Uh, number one, it would have contributed to energy security and independence. And, you know, we've already gone through that and why that's important in America. Number two, it would have created tens of thousands of jobs and contracting opportunities. Now, all of those would not have been permanent, but however, it would have created tens of thousands of jobs for a time for Americans and a lot of contracting opportunities for the best of the best contractors to get out there and uh, get their contracts approved to make some money, right? Uh, and that way, help their workers out. Uh, and number three, it would have provided substantial ep- economic benefit for local communities it runs through. Uh, because of property tax revenue. Uh, um, Communities that it ran through would have received uh, a portion of the property tax because it's running through their property, right? So that could have contributed to 
loads of things uh, for their communities. But however, it's not now because of uh, the decisions that the Biden administration wanted to make. But yeah, guys, uh, with that, that's basically uh, the three solutions to lower gas prices in America. Just to go over them one more time. Number one would be to reduce regulation to help companies boost oil and gas production to lower cost at home. Number two would be to reduce independence or reduce our dependence on foreign oil. Sorry. Number three would be to restart the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline and other pipelines in America. So, yeah, guys, uh, with that being said, um, any last remarks? Yeah, well, uh, only thing I have to say is we've seen the meme. Um, if you haven't, then I'm going to explain it to you now. But something that I've seen quite a bit where uh, they say Biden has put sanctions and stopped the movement of Russian oil to hurt their economy. And so what does that mean for him putting basically sanctions and stopping the movement of domestic oil here at home and our oil companies here? Uh, is he trying to hurt our economy? Because it certainly seems like he is doing just that. Yeah, with that, guys, uh, my name is Cameron Hunt. I'm Isaiah Woody. This has been Three Solutions to Lower Gas Prices in America, brought to you by the American Deciding Factor.